Hello, chat. You'll be calling soon. Holy shit, Jason, what are you doing? I got all kinds of stuff going over here. Uh, Chad Brockman. He sounds like he'd be in WWE. Ask him that. He might. He might have some feedback. Ladies and germs, coming up next on episode one seventy six of the Rip Podcast. Chad Brockman. My best Vince impersonation. Is that pretty good? It's not bad. You're fire. Guy's a pretty good actor too, isn't he? Me? I am. No, uh, Vince. Hello? Chad. Hey. Gotti Jr. here with uh, Jason Rona. What's up? Not much. How you doing? All right, buddy. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Jason. Chad, I like the name. I was telling Jason earlier, it sounds like uh, uh, something from WWE. Chad Brockman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you think of that? Coming from the top rope. Yeah, coming (laughs) from the top rope, definitely. Yeah, right. See that, Jason? Everybody knows a little bit of wrestling, I guess. Chad watches wrestling with a name like that. He's got to. Heck yeah. I grew up with wrestling. I'm an 80s kid. There you go. Nice. Who, who Who is your guy? Who's your guy? Always Hulk Hogan, but I like I like some weird ones like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That was yeah. a great one. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Um, you you got to go some, some old school ones. Um, of course, Andre the Giant. Everyone loved Andre the Giant. Yeah. I wonder why those... It's amazing how that was a big-time 80s uh, thing for kids. I mean, it was huge. Saturday nights. I think a lot of it was Sunday mornings for me. Sunday morning wrestling a little bit. Didn't they have, like, a... What what day was... Is that the day they had the full show? Superstars or whatever it was called? I think it was later 90s. Yeah, that was yeah. They had like a recap show on Sundays. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I quit watching after what was it six or seven WrestleMania. I no, think it we, was. We just got you back into wrestling. Jason's into wrestling. Look, he's buying monster trucks, RC monster trucks, like the the NWO one he recently bought. Changed it over to JCO, but still. Yeah, it's just, but it's not the same. And then the Macho Man <laughs> RC truck. Okay. Oh, come on, the, the monster trucks are the wrestling version of RC. It is. It really is. I was so mad when Ultimate Warrior beat Hogan at that WrestleMania, whatever it was. Man, that was such a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can win, Jason, unfortunately. Yeah, I just, you know, I... Was it a turnoff to you then? Yeah, I was done, man. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that that was the sole reason. I don't know if that's really fair, but I think he, well, most people seem to have out outgrew the wrestling. But oh, is that I what think happened? 
I think there were better stories back then for wrestlers. I mean, you know, the Iron Sheik, stuff like that. There were better backstories for wrestlers than there are nowadays. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely, it's got to be tough trying to come up with something new and topping yourself. And what have they been in that? You know, obviously that business has been around forever, but since the 80s, you know, it's a 30-year deal. Hmm. Well, okay. We'll, we'll get off wrestling, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we go in, like, I could go on the whole show about it if you want. No. Jason, don't want to. We'll take a break. <laughs> All right. Chad Brockman of Moore RC, the longstanding raceway in the United States. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Chad, um, he will ever, every so often he puts... Uh, vintage items on Facebook and tries to get people to name what they are. That work. That's pretty funny, right, Chad? You guys, you get some pretty good responses. I love doing that. I, I love finding old stuff. I get here lately. I've got a lot of people emptying out their garages and bringing on old stuff. It's like I love just taking pictures of it and just I have it on file and um, can post it and get, get people's reactions to what used to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I, I was thinking maybe I need to put together, like I got in some old 2000 milliamp battery packs, stuff like that, and comlays and stuff like that. And I was gonna, almost going to put together a whole pit of like back in the 80s, what you had to have to race. You should just have a, a pit spot that doesn't go anywhere and it's just set up like you would race in the 80s. And it's just, it has like some guy's name there and it just stays there forever. <laughs> You know, with your 10 battery packs you had to have, you know, your motor laid with your your 10 different motors. Mm-hmm. What, when uh, when you race, uh, Chad, when, you know, when you have time to race out there, do you do you run mod or do you run stock? Uh, I usually run stock. I've never really been that good at mod. I've never had enough time to practice to, to be good at mod. I run mod every now and then. Like, I've been in the Reedy race twice, and I've run mod there, but I'm still... I still have enough time to practice, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people are going to ask, but, you know, kind of how did, um, you know, there's some questions that go through this, but you want to start a little from the beginning, I guess. Tell us how, you, you know, you got into the track there and with your dad and, and all that type of stuff. Sure, no problem. Uh, about 1983, 84, I got a Tania Frog for Christmas. Hmm. Um I played with it around the house, stuff like that, and one day I broke the steering, the servo saver on it, basically, and we called all around. It was on a Saturday. Called all around trying to find places to go pick it up, and one of the local hobby shops that's no longer around, EJ's Trains and Hobbies, um, had a servo saver. So we rushed over there before he closed, and um, there was a big box on the counter. And while my dad's paying for the part, I'm looking in the box, and there's just RC cars in it, radio in it, charger, batteries, just full of stuff. And I'm like, what's this for? He goes, I'm going racing. We're like, really? Where? And it was all the way on the other side of town, 52nd Sheridan. And um, we went out that night and watched, and it was a, it was an old track. It actually, well, it was new back then. Uh, it used to be a tri-oval dirt track, and they just converted it to off-road. And so basically from Wednesday and Saturday nights from then on, we were there racing. Um, that was back when, when I first started racing, it was three-minute long racing, and you actually stopped 
when the horn, when the time was up. So you went three minutes and the announcer told you to stop your car and they, you'd get like seven, eight laps with three quarter. So you'd have seven and three quarters lap is how you qualified. Huh. Wow. Um, yeah. Timing was done with, um, the hand counters. You, you do it like events to see how many people walk through the door or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the click, the click buttons. Yeah, exactly. That there was 10 of them on a board in front of a guy and he would press, there's a number above each one. He'd press each one so you know how many laps you had. This before really computer timing was really that prevalent in racing. Um, we raced there for a couple of years and then, um, 86, December of 86, uh, my dad, well, a little bit before then, my dad decided it'd be good to have a track on this side of town, so we did a lot of research, and my dad's owned businesses before when he was younger, and um, decided to open up a track over here on this side of town um, in Aurora, and um, December of 86 is when we opened the door, and been chugging along ever since. So are you, um, are you in the same the same location same location we have never moved um it's uh, been there since day one uh, that's what that's one of the, the stipulations we have for being one of the oldest com- commercial tracks in the united states is uh, we're still in the original building and i've been there since day one so i'm still basically the original owner yeah um 30 31 years plus now so when when you went as a kid and your dad was running it, um, did you basically work the store then too, I would imagine, right? I worked the store um, back when we first started. Um, me and my brother were allowed one vehicle to play with. And uh, we weren't allowed, at the original time, we weren't allowed to change anything on the car. So we could still show it to the customer and then let them see it. And that's back when white bar speed controls came with vehicles. Right. Uh, all the mechanical stuff. And my first car I picked was the Kyosho Optima. And it had a three-position wiper arm speed control that you would fry out, you know, left and right from running it too much. All right. And uh, so you'd, you'd work on that. And I, most of the time I spent up in the hobby shop learning the hobby shop because at then I really never worked on my car, you know. I, so I had to learn everything from scratch and and build up my knowledge to what I know today. So when you were running then, um, you know, what, what was the, what was the hot class of racing back then? And, you know, what, you know, was it mod? Back, was back, it then, back then there, there was only, yeah, back then there was only two classes, two wheel drive, four wheel drive, really mod. There was then each one had mod or stock in it. And back then mod was definitely a little bit bigger. I thought uh, we had a bigger, Bigger turnout for mod. Um, seems everyone will run it. Um, Four wheel drive was big because uh, Yokomo had their uh, Yokomo Dogfighter SE, the Ranch Pit Shop edition, and Schumacher was just starting to come out a little bit then. And um, so you get definitely that with four wheel drive, a little bit of uh, Robo and uh, some other cars. I'm like completely forgetting right now. The Optima, of course. Um, and then two-wheel drive was basically uh, Kyosho versus Associated back then. Yeah. Um, there really wasn't wasn't too many two-wheel drives that were competing with the RC10 platform at that time. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know, and so 
I remember my, you know, my 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 buddies Brad and Brett Ralphs, and um, <laughs> you know, I've heard that name in a long time. Yeah, I mean, but they were probably around there, right? Yeah, no, I, they they were they were around when we first opened. They were around for quite a while, then they moved. I'm assuming down to Florida, not long after. They, they might have moved to Tennessee first. Um, but yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, he. When I talk to Brad, it's I mean, his memories of racing in Colorado. Uh, he loved it. Um, you know, he loved racing there, and he did twelve scale too. I remember him talking about and um but yeah they have a lot of good memories from those days yeah the nice thing about being around for this long a bunch of my races are now spread all over the world and every now and then i hear from them it's really nice to see where where they have gone you know um it's they they come back and you know they stop by and say hi so it's 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 a nice family um, that I've grown over the last 30 plus years now. Did, um, so what's, you know, kind of, I mean, this is kind of a big question, but, um, you know, the differences between the equipment now and when you started, and do you think that it's really, you know, has it made things, I mean, has it helped or, I mean, has it hurt <laughs> or, you know, what do you, what do you think is the, the, the whole landscape of, of it compared to, you know, being back then in the, in the eighties versus now. I think definitely back in the eighties, we had more fun. Unfortunately, it was a lot more work, a lot more work. I mean, when we originally started batteries were, you know, 1200 milliamps. Um, for a while there, you couldn't even really take laps. You know, we started going up to like five minutes like that. You really couldn't take laps on the track to practice. You basically set your car down and hope you made the whole race. Um, Definitely motor turning. I mean, I just got in a bunch of old parts. A guy cleaned out his garage, and it's got there's three Cobra lays in there. Uh, there's a Tekken motor dyno in there. Um, you know, it's there's a, a stock lathe and the mod lathe. You know, back before we could even open open cans up. Um, yeah. You had to to uh, take off a brush hood and and cut it inside the motor to make it you know still be legal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot more work with your vehicle back then. And I think people really took pride in getting the motors just right, uh, getting the batteries taken care of and stuff like that. Um, I, I miss a little bit of that, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like people really worked on their cars back then. And now people don't work on their cars as much. Um, I think it kind of forced you to have to work on your cars because if the motor didn't work, it really didn't work. And yeah. now if you wanted to race, you there. had to work. Yeah, and now it's not really there. Now it's kind of you just plug the car in and go, and, you know, you have power all the time. You know, I I could probably go back in my back room. If there's 100 people in my back room, I could probably say 98% of them have never put a drop of oil on their motor in their life. Yeah. And it's just they just run it and go, and if it happens to stop, stop working, they'll go buy another motor. And it's like, you know, back – we always had to work on our motors, make sure they worked well and make sure the brushes weren't too short, make sure springs weren't deformed from being overheated. You know, the one thing I do love, I I immensely love about the change between now and then is radios. I think radios are so much better. I'm so tired 
I'm so glad I never have to hear the word. Someone's on my frequency, or, you know. I'm glitching. Someone's got their radio <laughs> on. And it's just like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to hear that anymore. Yeah. Um, but the radios, I think, are, were the, are the best improvement that's ever happened over the years. Um, brushless and LiPo, yes, it's it's an improvement. Uh, I mean, I don't have to have 10, 10 batteries, you know, five for practice and then three for qualifying and then one for the main because you never want yeah. to run them twice in a row. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you get by with two batteries, so it's kind of nice. But it, that also, in turn, is worse for the hobby shop because he's not selling as many battery packs as he would have been before. Yeah. Um, so we have to find other ways to bring money in. Um, but, you know, I think the basic three have, have been the, the improvements. Brushless, uh, LiPo, and radios. Those are the three that, I, that you know, I tell people all the time that that's – that's a huge difference um, between now and then. Um, Remember when uh, you had to have multiple radios for cars? Oh, my God, yeah. I used to have, like, four uh, XL2P radios from Airtronics. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember traveling and having two radio bags, you know, one radio for each car. And yeah, uh, that would seem so ridiculous to most people today it would be like well, uh, what are you doing with all these radios <laughs> <laughs> i'm amazed how much like like i just brought an m12 in or an m8 in and i just sold it on ebay for 40 bucks i was like oh i guess some people still want this stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean one of one big collector I mean, i'm sure he'll buy something from me eventually is uh is brad um he he's been going nuts with the vintage stuff, and he's so deep uh, in all of it. You know, he's into the MIP stuff and MIP four wheel drive cars, and you know, chain drives and um, cable drives, and you know, cable drive. Yeah, he's all over just about every side of it, and um, oh, he's he, you know, he's got some pretty big money in it, but you know, he's just like. He's like, I just, I just love this stuff, and um, yeah, it's hard to the let MIP go. MIP Legends is one of my top five cars. I wish I would have um, either kept or never sold. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just one of those things. You're like, oh, I wish I would have had it. And it's like, I have a friend of mine up north. He owns uh, Anchorage House of Hobbies, and his dad, I think, has two of them sitting in the case, just collecting dust. It's like, oh, wow, you just so want them to me. Yeah, I think I uh, I think I met them uh, at the show in Vegas. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize he had that car though, or those cars. That's pretty cool. If, if if you ever ever in Alaska, you should stop by. They had cases full of old stuff, just RC can, stuff. Can he actually buy it? Cruisers, everything. Can he actually? No, buy he doesn't it? sell it. Oh. No, it's 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 all his dad's stuff, and his dad just wants to hang on to it. Doesn't want to get rid of it. And, you know, I, I kind of understand that, but mm-hmm. he is just, it's just a big collector. They're just sitting in glass cases and every now and then I, I mentioned something. He sends me a picture of it. Oh, I got one of those. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, like oh. I really like to have one. Yeah. I wish MIP would come back with it. I really wish they would. And they just, they just say it's not, not, not worth, you know, not worth their time, anything like that. And it's like, you know, I'd pay, I'd pay probably three, 400 bucks for a legend conversion kit mm-hmm. for an RC10. Mm-hmm. easily you know but you know they're 
they, they, they've sucked their guns and haven't brought it out, but you know, maybe one day they'll, they'll crack like they did on the black, uh, MIP wrenches. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Those are kind of a limited run, right? Every time they do those, it's like, Hey, we're only making this many. And... Yeah. Then you turn around again, they're making them again. <laughs> yeah. You're on the third run of them right now. Yeah. The they third went, limited. Oh, we're making money on these. The third limited edition run. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it works. I think they'd be surprised how many people would buy them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I'm sure it would be nice to have the RC10s to go along with it. Uh, I'm sure, but they're you know they have them on eBay. You can get world's cars and from yeah. that that batch. Yeah, and I, I know somebody that has a case of the re-releases in his back room right now. So if I really had to get one, I could. Is that you, or you have another guy? I have another guy. I, I have a re-release in the in the box right now, and if I had the room for it, I would love to do like an exploded view of the whole thing over like a black uh, piece of wood or something like that. You know, black laminate. Yeah. And then explode the whole car out and put it put it under um, like a plexiglass or something like that. I think that'd be an awesome display in, at the track. It really would. I want to say, was it uh, maybe Theo was the one that told me he was he was he one hoarding a few. Theo hoards a lot of stuff, I think. I I think he was telling me that he might be hoarding some RC10 kits. I don't remember though. There was a couple guys that told me that they've, um, you know, they kind of went a little heavy on it just to hold on to for a while. Yeah, I, I I bought a bunch of the shop and I kept one aside and they sold out in a snap of a finger and um, I just kind of went, I had a customer that really wanted one, so I'm like, here, I'll just sell you mine. So I sold mine and actually I had to go to another hobby shop here in town and pay full price for mine. You're like, well, how does this work? Yeah, but I've got it and I'm happy with it. It's I only have two Two brand new, uh, I guess I have three brand new kits that I've never opened. I have the re-release RC10, I have the re-release Optima, and I have a brand new in the box Super Champ. Ah. I don't think I've ever actually built or ran a Super Champ. Neither have I, but I... I wonder how it compares. I wonder how it compares with the RC10 stuff. Because that was kind of the car before the RC10, right? Yeah, exactly. That was kind of like the race car before the RC10. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys uh, when when the the when Losi kind of entered the picture, how did that go for you guys at the track in the old days? Did that uh, was that a a big a big thing or how did that go? That was a big thing. We were already associated with the ranch pit shop. Uh, we bought pinning gears from them. I know they made RC10 stuff. Um, so we had already bought stuff from um, the ranch pit shop, basically. And so when they came, came out uh, with the uh, JRX2, we were one of the first uh, people to really stock them well. And um, I still have an original JRX2 box in my, in my back room, the, wow. the white box with the JRX2 logo across the front of it. It's not in great shape, but I still have it. <laughs> 
so that was before they actually had the car on the box. It was just a JRX2 logo. It was just JR- a white box with a JRX2 logo across it. Okay. I don't think I've even seen one of those before. I'll send you a picture of mine. It's got, it's got a hole through the middle of it, but you can still get the idea of it. Yeah. You're like, here's, here's your imagination. Yeah. We used, because uh, we used to carry um, the Yokomo Pro SE Ranch Pit Shop Edition. That was a mm-hmm. huge seller for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another car I wish I would still would have kept. I think those are neat cars too. Yeah, that was the the Gillespie Junior car that he ran, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's back when four wheel drives were noisy because they had chains in them, you know. Right. Yeah, I remember when um, when the Predator car. Uh, first came out four wheel drive car and they were running we were at the worlds and they'd run that thing in an indoor track and i've talked about that a few times but you know when we were all running belt cars by then and they come out with that predator and that thing was so loud it's like <laughs> the guy would you know the couple guys that were running him from england it, it would just you couldn't hear, it's like it felt like somebody just fired up a nitro car and started running a qualifier and yeah you know, like the announcer, it was like muffling the announcer, the rest of the racers. Like, it was like a big thing, you know. You hear guys like, like, you know, talking about it after, like they were upset because it's like, man, I'm in the qualifier with the predator car. I can't even you know, <laughs> concentrate on what I'm doing out here. <laughs> it's so funny. But uh, so yeah, kind of moving along. When did you actually take over? Um, running completely, um, you know, sort of from your dad I, running? I, I kind of took it over probably about five years ago. I officially bought it in 2017. Um, it's the first year, actually, was officially the owner of it. So I ran it for about three years. Um, dad just kind of stepped away and, and let me run it, and I ran it for about three years. And then 2017, so almost a year and a half now, uh, I've, I bought, bought it from my dad and been – Slowly chugging along with it. I mean, I, I noticed that uh, you're always, you know, one of the things that I always notice is you're real kind of active on, you know, social media, and, you know, um, you know, trying to get some excitement, keep people updated. And, um, you know, you, you know, there's been times where it seems like you have a dedicated area where you do some videos and, you know, you've been you've done some 30 minute paint job stuff and, you know, just constant um, you know, trying something to stay, it looks like to stay active and, and keep, uh, you know, people recognizing that something's going on on that day or that week, right? You you, ha- you have to keep your shop in people's minds. Uh, as soon as they forget about it, then you're going to go away. And that's, um, you have to constantly change things up and move, you know, make things different. You know, I have a little 10 by 10 room in my basement that i basically made a little studio out of that I can record out of. I also record at the shop and, you know, try and keep as much information flowing as possible because the more information you can get out there, the more it keeps people in their mind that you're still around because things happen, you know, life happens um, and you get forgotten about because you're not, you're, you're not a high priority. A hobby shop racetrack is not a high priority in everybody's life. I wish it was, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, you know, people's lives, you know, get, 
enveloped in their lives and, you know, they have to go to the lawn, they get a sickness in the family, it pulls them away from the racetrack and they forget about it and they, they move on to other things. And you have to try and keep, you know, throwing lines out there to, to, to get them to remember, oh, hey, I used to have a lot of fun out there. I'm going to do that again, you know. You know, they, they go in their closet and they find their RC stuff that's been, you know, collecting dust for, you know, a couple months, a couple of years. And they're like, oh, I want to go do this again. They come back to the shop, you know. You, you have to keep it out there just so you, you keep it fresh in their minds. Because mm-hmm. as soon as they forget, you're, you're, you're done for. So at, at this point, what do you say is your, um, you know, are, are you getting new people in or, you know, what's the cycle looking like in terms of people coming in and, and trying it? And then what's the, the, you know, how are people doing to, you know, week to week that are your regulars, I guess you could say. Um, being in business for 30 years, I've noticed um, a cycle, basically. You get the kids that are usually younger than 16, that their family brings them in, and they stay until about 16. So they get, about a, they get a car, and they disappear for a little bit. They usually come back after usually 21 or something like that. Um, usually after they're out of college a little bit, they come back and they run for a little bit. Then they get married. They disappear again. And then you'll see them here and there. and then they get divorced and then they, their, their kids get old enough and um, their kids find their RC stuff buried in the back of a closet somewhere and go, Hey, what's this? Hey, I used to race here. Let's go see if it's still there. And they come back. And so I really see that, that pattern going along and it's, it's been consistent for, you know, 30 years easily. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it gets less, sometimes it gets more. I've really have seen a lot more, people coming back here lately, you know, they've dug stuff out of their closet or, you know, they used to remember and then they, they find me on Facebook and they, they start talking to me on Facebook going, Hey, I used to race. Yeah. I remember you. And it's like, come on down. And it's like, you know, invite them down. You know, I've got a car. If you want to run it, come on and run it. And, um, you know, got to get them hooked again and hopefully get their kids hooked and start to cycle back all, all over again. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely, I definitely see racing thinning out, you know, um, it's not as, it's not as popular as it used to be, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. We need need to really work hard. All tracks really need to work hard to try and keep their customer base happy. You know, we're we're a hobby shop um, and a track, and but the number one thing we sell is fun, and you have to realize that it's not it's not an RC car, it's not a boat, it's not a plane. Uh, all hobby shops around they sell fun. That's their number one sale thing. They need to realize, and if they're not selling fun, they're not not doing their job right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more fun you can make an atmosphere scene, that's why I keep my videos, you know, try and keep my videos all positive and keep them around as much as possible. I, I try and show that we're having fun and stuff like that. So people, people want to go have fun somewhere that is having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've been to tracks where you walk in and it's like, it's like the walking dead to get some death warmed you, over. You know. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, what's, I've done the same what's thing. fun is this? Yeah, and it's like no, you have to you have to be exciting. You have to be you know thrilling. You know, when I took this business over, my wife pulled me aside and said, "You have to change." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "You got to change your attitude. Your attitude is wrong." It, and it's it's being in a business for a long time. You get sour. You get jaded. You get yeah. you get jaded. You know, it's just one of those things. that's like you get run down from all the bad you know online people that you know say stupid things. And unfortunately, you take those to heart, and that just drags you down. And eventually, you just become bitter, and that bitterness comes out 
during your sales and it hurts your sales. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to somehow, you know, as soon as the door unlocks and you, you flip that sign to open, you have to put on that, that happy face and you have to push through it and you have to make your place fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something I always kind of notice, you know, walk going around and, and, um, it's just like you said, I mean, sometimes you walk in places and you're just like, man, it just doesn't have that, that, uh, that feel in here. Um, you know, the atmosphere just isn't there. And, and, uh, and you still see people doing it and wanting to be involved in, in sort of that cold atmosphere. And it always really kind of surprises me that people do like it in that atmosphere. Um, and I think there's something about, too, for whatever reason, when it's indoors, things are a little colder. Um, I know when we race outdoors, people seem to be a little different. But when you don't have that option, you do have options indoor to make things a little lighter, you know, with, um, you know, with painting and, you know, music and, like you said, videos and announcing and um, so, like you said, yeah, I mean, I've noticed that it is a big thing. Yeah, and it's, it's something I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm trying to help other tracks out with it too. You know, I've I've talked to a lot of other tracks. You know, I'm not I'm not the track that you know it's like, oh my god, you're another track. I don't want to talk to you. It's it's no, I want to talk to you because I want to learn what you did right, and hopefully you want to learn what I did right, and we could build a better mm-hmm. track system mm-hmm. overall. I I started my dad a long time ago started a. Um, a club called RCTOA, Radio Control Track Owners Association. Mm-hmm. And it went went on for quite a while, then it kind of died. And that was before really internet kind of could really help it out. And so I got thinking about it and actually started a Facebook page back up for it. Uh, it's RCTOA. It's open to any track out there in the country. And basically it's tracks helping tracks out. And by doing that, I'm hoping that, you know, I can learn something. I've been around 30 years. I still do not know everything. I, I will never know everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's great to be able to talk to somebody and go, hey, I need, I don't know how to do this. How do you do this? And it's like, hey, someone else can go, hey, I've tried this. Let's, let's do it this way. And it makes it to where, you know, you learn and you can learn from people who have gone through their mistakes so you don't make the same mistakes. And hopefully it builds better tracks all over the country is what I'm hoping for. And if they want to be in this uh, group, what what do you say? Now tell them where to go uh, again. Uh, all they have to do is go to RCTOA. That uh, stands for Radio Control Track Owners Association. And just hit uh, subscribe. Or And basically what I'll do is I'll ask you a couple of questions. And then I, I will message you on Facebook just to double check, make sure your tracks. We try and only get tracks in there. Um, and if you are, then I'll put you right in. It's free to go in, and you can ask questions as much as you want, uh, complain, you know, stuff like that. But you know, it's, it's a great place for tracks to vent. But it's a, even a better place for tracks to learn and grow. Yeah. I mean, in your opinion, right now. I mean, since you, you do have a lot of contact with different tracks and everything, or hobby stores, um, who do you think is, uh, I don't know, what do you think is your top, you know, three to five that seem to be really on sort of the the up and up and doing well with it and, you know, in your opinion, I guess? They're doing really well. Uh, SCRC, Rock, he does an amazing, amazing job, and I, I've told him that a couple times. 
Uh, he's really been working on videos, stuff like that, doing a great job. Uh, Beach RC in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brett Densforth. Uh, he's doing a great job. Uh, he's on, online a lot. He does, he does great work. Uh, OCRC does a, does a great job, but I don't really think they need to really work that hard to be that great because they are OCRC. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to go there. Um, other tracks would be something like, um, I think 405 Raceway in Oklahoma does a good job. Unfortunately, they are going to be, um, they, they ran into a huge problem this past week where they lost their lease okay. and they're having to find a new place to uh, move to. They were okay. partnered with a uh, go-kart track and um, the go-kart track went out of business. Okay. And now, now the, they're going to have to move, move away, but they, they always do stuff. Um, there's a new one called, um, I think Newman's, uh, Newman's RC down in Texas, I think it is. Okay. They do, they, they do a great job online as well. Um, that'd probably be my, my, my good ones there. Um, those, those are probably the ones that I, that I not really follow the most, but I see the most online. And they're doing a great job um, just getting things out there. Um, Lawton RC is another great one. Um, they do a bunch of stuff. I always see their stuff, and I've, I've talked to them a couple times. Was it um, Lot Lawton? Yeah, Lawton RC Raceway. L A W T O N RC Raceway. Okay. Uh, they're they're in uh, Oklahoma City. Or uh, Lawton, actually, Oklahoma is where they're at. Hmm. They're an oval track down there in, in uh, uh, Oklahoma. I guess that's a good question for you. We could circle to is on the, uh, you know, over the years, how has your track changed in terms of the dirt and the surface and the prep? And, and then, you know, how do you see some of this carpet AstroTurf stuff? And then, and then let's talk about oval a little bit. Okay. Um, originally started uh, back in the eighties, all 80s stuff was loose dirt. Um, there was no such thing as packed dirt. Uh, there were hard tires, um, hard and harder tires, I guess would be the, be the best way to describe them. Yeah. Um, uh, almost a lot like today's carpet tires, to tell you truth. Yeah, it um, really is. I, I would be surprised if some of the compounds are the same uh, as what was back then to now. Um, I just got a bunch of old tires in and, you know, showing showing new people what tires used to be like, and they're, they're amazed that, you know, we used to use tires that didn't have foam in them and stuff like that. Uh, but it was really a loose track. Uh, back when we first started, we almost, I, I look back now and it, we used to change the track once a week with rotor till everything. Okay. And, uh, that was, we did that for a couple of years and then we kind of started getting away, going farther and farther away, uh, to maybe once a month. And I know for a while there, we didn't do it for probably, you know, three to four months. And now we were really settled into about every other month we change. So every two months we change track. Uh, it's gone definitely to a harder pack design. Uh, we're still, you know, still the same dirt that we started when we uh, opened. We've added dirt twice, I think, um, in the 30 years, just a little bit here, a little bit there. And um, but definitely the track is now it's hard packed, you know, super high traction. Um, definitely more of a tire 
a lot more tire wear than there ever used to be. Um, as far as carpet goes, I don't, I still have yet to really run on new carpet. I think the last time I actually ran off-road on carpet was 1990. So it's been just okay. a few years since, yeah, I've, yeah. since I've run on, <laughs> on, on carpet for off-road. Uh, we used to do an event called uh, Tri-State Auto Show. It, was, it was, used to be the largest auto show in Colorado. And we used, we used to go there to race. We used to have an RC race there that had uh, oval, on-road, and off-road. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was oval on Thursday, off-road, uh, no, on-road on uh, Friday, and off-road on Saturday. And then Sundays were all mains. And we used to race that a lot. And then we took it over in 1990 and ran it for one year. And then they just discontinued it. Um, so it's been been a few years since I've run on actual carpet. I really want to try it one day. I got an invitation down uh, to uh, Albuquerque. Uh, to run down there, their new track, and I just never, never had a chance. So I got too busy and didn't have a chance to go down there yet to try it out. Um, it seems interesting. Uh, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories from different, different people who have run on astroturf and just even just carpets, off road, and the pros and cons. And I really need to, I think, sit down and see it for myself. Um, to see what it does and how it is and stuff like that. Um, I will never, never, and I have no plans to ever change my indoor track to carpet. Um, right. I like off-road. I like dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, I like the imperfections of dirt, I guess it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's not always the same, you know. I love carpet racing, you know, touring car um, 12 scale, you know, I love that. And I, I, have enjoyed doing it, but I don't think I ever would ever want to do make my indoor track off-road. Um, it's just something that, and I really, really enjoy the, the, the dirt, but unfortunately I think like for now for, um, tracks coming in new, I think carpet's the easiest way to go. Right. Um, it's, you, you don't have to worry about, you know, telling landlord that you're bringing in, you know, tons of dirt to put on their, their nice concrete floor that, you know, might ruin it. You know, I'm, I'm sure my concrete floor looks wonderful after 30 years. Um, <laughs> but you know, carpet's easy to put in, you know, it's, you know, you put an easy subfloor down and, and put it in and run. And, um, it's definitely clean. Um, you know, I, I have to, I get dirt thrown everywhere and always are having to clean it and all my parts in the hobby shop, even though my hobby shop's in a separate room are still covered in a, in a layer of dust from the dirt mm-hmm. uh, carpet. You don't have that. Um, but I can definitely see the advantage of carpet, um, for new business. I mean, on road, off road, it's easy to do, just change, change jumps around, stuff like that. I think. Once people figure out, or once tracks figure out how to make make it so where off road doesn't tear up the carpet as bad, I think then it's going to be even easier. Yeah. You had some. Um, I noticed you did some promotions. Uh, I don't know if it was last week. On uh, you had like some camps for kids during the summer. Plus, there's like an amp camp. Yeah, there's an amp camp. Uh, the amp um, ECX makes an amp. A monster truck that is everything you need is in the box 
Uh, it has tools. It has all the parts. The tires are glued. The shocks are built. The bottom differential is built, but you have to build everything else. It's like 250-plus parts in the kits. Okay. Um, they off, You can do these. They actually um, have kind of helped you out a little bit and kind of shown you how things have done. Uh, I've talked to a couple other hobby shops around the country um, that have done these. And, you know, it's just, it's just a nice way to help get people into it. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm trying it now. And it's not as popular as I thought it would be, as I hoped it would be. But it's, it's a start. We have like three, three, four people signed up for it right now. Mm-hmm. And the, the nice thing about it is one of my employees is a teacher. And one of my uh, customers, uh, him and my employee work at the same school. And they've actually run a tech class at the school. And okay. they actually have built these cars as part of the tech class. They've done it twice. So they're actually going to be running the show because they, they've done this before. So at least I've got really good experience people running it. And it, it'll be fun. It'll be something different. Um, it's something that I think is needed for you know tracks to do. Um, I think camps of not, not necessarily build camps, but just really classes, anything like that. Um, one of my racers came up with, uh, tuning with TLR, uh, Zeke Bollinger, um, came up with this idea and, um, I've helped him run with it, made, made promotions for it, stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully get pe- more people in and, um, help build back the fun of RC racing, you know, show people what they're doing wrong with their car. Cause a lot of people just are too afraid to ask, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, so we're trying to make it as friendly as possible to try to make the back room even more friendly. So people know that, Hey, I can go up to this team driver, you know, uh, Zeke Bollinger, Travis Fisher, uh, Jim Domenico, anything like that. And they'll, they're more than willing to help me out. Even though I, even though I'm not driving the same vehicle, they are, they, they're still going to help me out. And, you know, with them helping me out, it makes my car easier to drive and I can have a lot more fun with it. And that's the end of the day. I want everyone to have more fun with it. Yeah. It always so, goes back to that fun thing. Yeah, you're selling the fun. So, uh, you know, you had the amp camp. What was you had something else where you were doing? I want to say that I saw something where there was like, you know, how to solder and how to do this and how to do that. We we, we do we do classes as well. Okay. Uh, in fact, I just had a customer want me to um, open up an airbrush camp, like an airbrush class. So yep. I'll probably do an airbrush class. Um, I've painted bodies for years and kind of have semi-retired out of it, but. Um, so, I'll, you know, if, if one of my customers wants to see something, how to do it, I'll gladly do a class for it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, with this tuning with TLR we have coming up, it's definitely we're going to show them the basics, you know, caster, camber, how to get your car ready for the track and stuff like that mm-hmm. that people don't know about. And then we'll do soldering camps. And actually, I'm, gonna, I'm working on soldering videos on how to solder, uh, how to install speed controls, stuff like that and to try and get more information out there for people so they can be more informed. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that being pretty interesting, you know, and, you know, maybe it'll get to the point where people are, um, they, they do want to come and in, in, in learn these type of things um, more and more as they, as the internet and their phones and everything starts to get old or the same. Maybe they're going to, people will start branching out more um in, in in i don't know you know will these things come in cycles you know it, the question is yeah I don't, I don't know it, um you know sometimes it and you know what you describe really 
sounds a lot like you know to me when you um you know the little bit of time i've spent with the the rc monster trucks it 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 reminds me a little bit of racing rc in the in the early 90s um when you kind of you built everything and nothing was really like completely done for you so you had to be a little more hobby um savvy i guess you could say uh-huh. where to me the race cars these days are just so good when you build all this stuff that it really comes down to um, you know once you get serious as a racer and you do know some of the basics you're looking for results um so keeping that fun in it like you say is so important um and ma- being realistic right yeah, and that's something I need to figure out how to do, how to make the track more fun to where you – actually, I think I need to figure out how to make practice more fun is the big thing because mm-hmm. um, people don't want to practice. And I think if people get in practice, they could enjoy the hobby more to get more out of it in the long run because the practices would actually will show them what, what's happening. Unfortunately, yeah. I have too many bench racers that, you know, work all weekend, all week, basically, on putting every hop-up possible on a vehicle – and come to the track on Saturday and throw it down with any practice and wonder why their cars all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's just no uh, – the actual track time, you just cannot replace that. No, you cannot. But I need to figure out maybe some award system or something like that, you know, to, to make people want to come to practice. And, I, was, um, I was talking to Nick Black once about um, – what he was what he was telling me is almost what's kind of strange is a little bit of the opposite at the time where he had a lot of guys that were coming to practice but they were like kind of scared to come and race and what i was asking him at the time i was like you know it'd be kind of interesting if if you could start keeping track of these guys lap times and laps without them knowing about it and then you know, you can present it to them at some point and say, hey, you know, um, you know, you can print this out. You can take a look at it and you can see how it kind of measures up to the people that were, you know, racing last Wednesday or whatever. And and it, it, trying to get them less intimidated or was the thing I was talking with him about was so that it was kind of easing their way into coming and running because, they didn't feel they were so bad. You know, they could say, oh, man, yeah, so I kind of get it. You know, like, I kind of fit in here somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was talking to him about. But, yeah, in your situation, is a little bit opposite. It sounds like where um, guys just, they're not putting any priority on the practice side. They're all putting all the priority on the, the during the week, bench racing, you know, talking smack on the Internet, and then maybe then coming to race on the weekend. Exactly. So if I can figure out a way to get them to the track more to, you know, just spend time at the track. And it's, it's amazing what you can do after you've been on the track for a little bit. You can figure things out and, and figure out how to make actually that your bench time more worthwhile instead of just putting vehicle, putting parts on a vehicle and, and thinking it's going to, going to make it the best. Yeah, I think, I think you're definitely right about that. So what's, uh, what's next? Um, what's next for you guys and uh, you know what's going on 
uh, at more and what events and stuff do you have coming up you know besides the summer camp stuff like we talked about uh not really this is our slow time of year summer in colorado is when everyone wants to go outside and have fun um a little bit of eight scale stuff like that so we'll open up we have our outdoor track now it used to be an on-road track um last year we ripped it out and um made it back to an off-road track like it used to be and um so we've got a new driver's stand we're working on to that's a lot taller than the old one used to be. It's up on a storage container. Uh, so we have a nice view of our track now, and we're going to get that going. That's We're going to start racing on that this Friday. We're going to do some night racing on Friday. And then I help run uh, the local eight-scale series here in town. So we have we have one big race a month, basically, at all these different tracks around Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm the final, final race in um, September. And um, we have a series, it's basically a series race, we'll do that, and then we'll start, after that, we'll slowly start building back up to our busy season, um, October area, end of September, October, we'll start building back up for our busy indoor season. And then Pizza Feast in November, and then our big race is Rumble in the Rockies in February. Wait, did I hear pizza? (laughs) Always pizza. Pizza's great. Yes. We have a Pizza Feast race we started just a little bit after we opened, it probably got started at 87. And it basically just started as a thank you to our racers. And we'd bring in free pizzas for everybody and have a race. And it just has grown into a big race. And uh, probably about four years ago, we actually made it a three-day race. It used to just be held on Saturday. We used to be there till like 4 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Uh, or on Sunday, I guess it'd be. And uh, we decided to make a three-day race. And so that's a three-day race. We bring in about 40 to 50 pizzas. And... Um, Everyone has a lot of fun with it. Oh, is this is this why we got a question from Rob Sturgill saying, "How do you feel about three day races every other week?" Oh, that's our um, that's our eight scale race season. We have like a three day race every other weekend. Oh, okay. I thought Rob wanted pizza <laughs> La- every other week. <laughs> no, <laughs> Rob's a troll. Rob Rob is on everybody's Facebook page. So, uh, you can... <laughs> am, am I wrong, Jason? He's on everyone's Facebook page. Yeah, he must uh, have. I don't think he sleeps. He must have like, he must have the ability to be on all day long somehow because he doesn't miss much, does he? Well, you have the ability no, to be on your phone not. now with uh, Facebook, Jason. That's true. Yeah. Oh, I, I, th- I, I think it's like embedded in him or something because he's he is usually the first one to comment on almost everything I post, and I think he's probably the first one to comment on anything Jason posts. So. Yeah, same here with mine. He makes, he makes me feel good. Yeah. I, I can count on Rob coming through. He, he's like, uh, yeah, Rob. Go ahead. He, yeah, Rob's a good guy. Yeah, he's he's a morale booster for me. So. Yeah, yeah he's one of my local racers. But yeah, just <laughs> last year it was really bad. We had like, it seemed like every other weekend was a three day race, and it just it just killed really killed racing. So uh, originally, like my series race was held on a different race from big races. So I actually moved all my series races to every track's big race. So it just made it, you got basically two races in one. You got a big, you got a series race and you got their big race involved. So now we have one big race a month that made it a little bit better, but I still think there's way too many big races all over the world. Um, I think every track should maybe have one, maybe two, mm-hmm. um, you know, per track. If that, you know, I, I have about three, uh, I have one in September, uh, one in November, one in February. And it's, um, unfortunately it's, 
they're expensive for racers to run and there's not a lot of money the tracks make out of them. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's a lot of work for tracks to get everything going. And then usually like the week after or the month after everything just dies. And so even, even business dies after that. So it's just, it's hard on tracks. It's hard on racers. Um, I think everyone, everyone in the RC industry just needs to figure out how to, how to cut some of those down to make them more important like they used to be. You know, mm-hmm. I remember like 89 nationals during the height in Michigan that, you know, it was a huge turnout for, you know, two wheel drive and four wheel drive was only two classes there. And you know, I remember, remember there being a ton of people there to run, you know? Yeah. There's um, like 700 something entries. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, 90, 90 nets and, um, is that Livermore, California? Yeah. Um, that one was, you know, another big one. That was indoors, but, you know, it was still a big one. But, you know, you don't see races like that anymore. And it's because there's so many there's so many big races now that, you know, it's just do, do really, any of them really mean anything anymore. Yeah, it, it very much, um, yeah, it starts to water down what any of it really means. Yeah, exactly. It'd be nice if there was like just one big series. You know, I think Jimmy Babcock does a great job with you know Jimmy Babcock series, and he, he's slowly spreading that out to different areas to race. Yeah, I think stuff like that's kind of cool, and you have you have kind of an end one. But you know, if there's just one good you know off road race to go to, you know, one good oval race to go to, one good on road race to go to, you know, it'd be that way people could build up to it. You know, it'd be neat if there could be qualifiers. You know, maybe these little local races are qualifiers for some big race somewhere. Mm. Um, you know, that, that'd be, a, that'd be a great thing. You know, it's, it's the way, unfortunately, it's the way Roar used to be, you know, it used to win regionals and you could, if it was a, a qualifying year, you could win regionals and go on to worlds. Yeah. yeah. But they haven't done that, you know, since the eighties, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, regionals are regionals basically disappeared once Roar took away that, um, that capacity basically of, you know, regionals actually meant something. Why did they take it away? Uh, stupidity. I don't know. It's, it's, it's still a a major question. I think, unfortunately, get a bunch of people who can't agree or, or only agree one side. It it seems to really, really turn around. And unfortunately, the the vocal people who really probably shouldn't be talking are talking and the people who actually know stuff don't say anything. And it's, um, it's kind of like politics, you know? Yeah. I ran a, I ran a regionals. Um, I believe our 90, was it 94 or 93 regionals you had to, that qualified you for the nationals. And then the nationals qualified you for the worlds. And, uh, I, I thought that was a pretty cool, system at that time yeah you know of I course think it, it, you know someone would come back up with that again you know a regional race you know a good regional race in each area you know that right there will qualify you for you know a national race and you know i don't know if you know you still have to pay to go to the national race but maybe if your ticket if if your some of your entry from your regional race was put towards helping you out you know, with your entry at the national race, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just something to help you get there, you know, because there's some people that just can't really afford a lot. But, you know, even if it's just regional race this year and it qualifies you for nationals next year. Yeah. Um, that way they've got time to save up and uh, get practice in and everything like that. Um, but it's, I don't know. There's there's an answer out there somewhere, and I don't know what it is, unfortunately. Or maybe I do, and I just haven't acted on it yet. <laughs> don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did they get rid of, like, all the regional directors they used to have for each region? Oh, no, they're, they're still regional directors. So, I don't yeah. think they do anything anymore. I was going to say, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> like, I, I think the regional director for our region, I don't think he even races RC cars anymore. Wow. I think he hasn't raced RC cars for quite a while. Uh, he's a really good guy, but I think he just still does it because nobody else wants to do it. Yeah. Um, I think but, our regional directors, I think, well, it's been off and on, but the guy that did it the most was just a guy, Bill Frayden. He was the region director. I mean, he's probably been, you know, 20 or 25 years, the regional director in Florida. And now I think there's another guy, uh, David Larry, I believe, got involved at some point. But I, the one that I remember the most was Bill Frayden. He still races, but... Yeah, it's one of those positions sometimes that people, like you said, you you get it. He gets it where other people do just because they're the only one that really wants to do it. Hmm. I, you know, I, what we talked about a couple times was with Brandon, uh, Brandon Rohde a little bit with Live RC and stuff about their live time and you know, the potential at some point where we could, instead of, you know, if the roar thing in the regionals and the nationals and all that stuff is so hard to control, if we were able to put together, a, you know, where the, where you could be ranked, you know, the lifetime scoring would keep track of your ranking and, and then that would determine everything uh, uh, between your merits and going to other events and qualifying and basically your ranking and you know your activity and all that stuff could be monitored uh, which I think would be a really good thing yeah I, I think it definitely could be a, a start of something good but I mean I, I know they've been trying to do some of that for a long time and and um, you know, just one of the things that hasn't I don't know that's completely finished yet with uh with that software yeah i think there's a lot of a lot of things that are aren't finished with really any of the um timing softwares out there yeah are do you do you use lifetime or do you use um i use rc scoring pro okay i've uh i've dealt with doug for a long time and i've helped him um I've asked him to do things, and he's he's done it, and he's been really good to me. And so, unfortunately, it makes me it really hard for me to switch to lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot with him, and uh, he's done a lot for me. And so, I have a really hard time switching. Um, yeah, it's uh, there. There are pluses, I think, to both sides. There's minuses to both sides, and I know some of my racers are really, really edging me to go to lifetime, and I know. Brandon wants me to go to live time and it's, I'm, 
I try and be a loyal person, and mm-hmm. I really hate to, to unfortunately have to uh, tell RC Scoring Pro that you know I, I have to have to move on. But mm-hmm. I think this is the, uh, I think the third or fourth art scoring program I've been out with over my life. Yeah. Um, all the way back to a Commodore 128 with a cartridge that went inside of it. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, that was that was our first scoring program. It was it was all hand scoring, uh, but it was done on uh, actually my Commodore 128 computer, and it was just a cartridge that plugged in the back of it. Wow! And uh, that was that was scoring way back then. And then B and B Auto Score. You should bring that out one night. Like, all right, guys, <laughs> time to sign up. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I still have my Commodore 128, so I, I think I saw the cartridge somewhere too. You fine. can put that on your vintage pit table. Entries are yeah. open. Signups are open. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that was definitely interesting back then. There are some things that are a lot better. Do you want to, Gotti? Do you want to go through some of the questions there that he's got? Uh, this is from Tim. It says, uh, with stock classes seeming less approachable for beginners than they once were, what do you see as the best way to attract new racers in the future? Is there a class you'd like to see take off like Slashes did years ago? Um, I'd love to see Traxxas come out with something that would save this industry again. They've done it twice. so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to see – honestly, at, at big races, I'd love to see a class where the only thing you bring is your car and your radio – and you're handed a speed control, a motor to put in your car, and right before your race, you're handed a battery pack. And it's a random battery pack out of out of ten battery packs. You basically reach in and you grab a ba- grab a number, and it's charged by the track. Um, so you, you know, a track has you know two or three quad chargers to charge all the batteries exactly the same amperage, stuff like that. And you basically hand it a random battery, and you have to go out and race. Um, the, and one of those no batteries is on, the dead. No timing yeah, <laughs> you never know. It's what you have to deal with it in the real that'd be, world. You that'd know. be awesome. You do. Yeah. Oh, you got the uncharged one. Oh, that's too bad. Come back next year. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Sorry. <laughs> it, it's, it's like Russian roulette, you know. Yeah. You just learned a valuable lesson, buddy. Yeah, we'll save <laughs> we'll save that for the gaudy Invitational, Jason. Yeah, I'll yeah. put some more sabotaging on your cars. <laughs> well, you know, handing them a motor that has no timing to it, you know. I think Tekken did it a little while back uh, for an on-road race. They actually went through all their motors, and, and you know, even if they time them all pretty close to the same so they get the same performance out of them in a certain range, and then basically lock them down so you basically will probably red lock type in the timing screws so they can't be moved, and basically give them the person with a non-timing speed control. At the race, they can hand those back. It won't really increase the cost of their race anymore. And then the tracks can sell that, or if for a really good deal, they can can buy the speed control motor combo. Mm. Um, but that would make it more fair, almost like the old old stock days, you know, where you got mm-hmm. handed a motor, you know. I was going to ask you about that. What about that? I was going to ask you about those days when you'd sign up for, you know, we had our winter champs race here in Florida, which was huge. 
but you know that was the you know it was a handout motor so you get there and then you could um then you bought your motor separately i believe or as part of your entry i can't remember exactly how they used to do it. i think guys did it both ways i'm sure you yeah, races like that yeah you usually got a handout motor with a race and you could buy an extra motor if you wanted to okay um but you know that's I look at like the way you have to go through like Roar does or any place does that has to go through and that does the full teching of motors where they have to go through each motor and check it, make sure it's right. And that's ridiculous. It just takes up a ton of time Mm -hmm. and you know, there's really no, no set parameters. So like a track can't buy a a gauge set that goes, Hey, this is how you tech motors, A, a through B, A through Z, whatever, you know, here's a, Go no go gauge for the the rotor. Here's you know everything you need to test it in step by step. And there's no there's nothing like that out here for tracks. So mm-hmm. you know tracks are on their own going. Well, how do I check it? And is is this close enough? Is this not right? You know, and we don't. Most tracks don't know. And so you know, with a handout motor, the nice thing about that is you knew everybody was in spec where everyone had the same stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, modified. You know, modified. You don't care. You know, everyone, everyone's allowed to really do anything you want. A, a mod motor, mm-hmm. uh, but stock is, you know, stock should be stock. And then, uh, the only downside I see with handout motors is a motor company can't go, "Hey, my motor won." You know, X race. Yeah. You know, that's that's the only downside to it is for motor companies out there, they can't go, "Yeah, well, my stock motor is faster than your stock motor because it, it was a handout motor," and right. you know, the guy. The guy who was a handout, you know, could say, hey, I won this race, but it really doesn't mean much to the people who really know. Yeah. And uh, that's the only downside I see to that. Uh, but as far as, like, making it easier to tech, you know, like, speed controls that have the ability to do timing on them, I don't think they should really, really be allowed in stock class. Mm-hmm. I think it should be uh, no timing only speed control be allowed in stock class. That way it just be easier to tech. Um, overall, and you wouldn't have the thing where it's, well, I, I, I hear, you know, in quotes, you know, that, that he can make his speed control blink, you know, and it's, it's, it's not really in timing mode. You know, that would take care of that altogether. You know, where it just doesn't even have that feature available to it. Um, that would make things, I think, nicer just for stock racing also. Um, just anything to make it easier to tech. You know, there's how many speed control companies out there on the market. I I could tell you I know how five or six act in blinking mode. The other ones I have to look up, and they're not yeah. easy to look up sometimes. Hmm. You know, then I get the old old timers that you know bring in an old Novak speed control that never had timing on it, and I have to look it up, try and find old documentation to see if it ever had timing on it, and that's it's just like. It's a mess. Yeah, it really is. You know, you know, on our indoor national series, we have a class called Independent Stock uh, that started on our Super Cup series here, where you know, it's it's for people that aren't sponsored and all that type of. It, that's the main thing, and um, you know, people that are either really young, veteran racers, or people that just don't want to go through all the other. BS and uh, we've had a lot of success with it uh, on 
um, both series that we do. You know, the other ones, are, you know, one series is Florida, but um, but yeah, we've been considering bringing that aspect into that class with the the motor and speed control situation that you get when you sign up. Uh, the battery thing, I've thought about that too. Um, you know, just inserting more of those things that are making it a little bit more equal and to kind of take the rat race part of the uh, stock out of it, I guess you could say. Then it comes down to driver and, you know, they can't really do anything in the motor, you know, and they can't really do anything to the speed control. You know, they can, they, they just have to really work on their car and work on their driving. And that's mm-hmm. actually a true driver's class. Yeah. I mean, I know I, um, <laughs> I'd love to be able to just, you know, like I talked about before, when we used to do the old Chicago show days and Scotty Ernst ran the race there. And when he would uh, just, you know, he would ask you if you wanted to race, they'd sign you up and you'd get there. They'd give you the car on the radio and you'd run. And, and you know, they were all like, to me, a Mini Coopers. And I, I love that because to me, it was like the ultimate challenge, um, you know, just in driving. And, you know, I thought that was a cool concept. Obviously, it was for the Chicago show, but you know that was that was part of it. Yeah, I miss that show. Oh yeah, I mean that that was everything before the internet. Um, everybody planned everything around that show, and that was a big deal. I just miss Knuckles Sports Bar. There's part of that too. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of good times there. Yeah, he had to pick Jason up off the floor. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe at, uh, was it Excalibur? Excalibur, that's where I was at, yeah. Yeah, the nightclub in, in Chicago, right? Yep, four floors of excitement. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the rare clubs I was ever in that reminded me of being in a movie. Oh, yeah? Like, you know, like, you see the like the cool movies and they go into these clubs and you're just like, where is this club at? Yeah, it's like... You know, like, I've never... I was like, I've never seen it. There's, they look clean. They look nice. And I'm just like, every club I've gone in, you know, it's like they never look like this. It never looks like that Hollywood presentation. Um, yeah, that was awesome. That back club. then, they're all smoky. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that part. It came out smelling like an ashtray. Yeah. yeah. The next day, you put all your – I used to put my clothes outside. I was like, I'm not even bringing this back in. <laughs> so what, um, going back into our questions, what do you got, Gotti? Uh, this is from Darrell. He says, as change is always key to survival of a long-term business, what has been the hardest change to make over the years? And is there anything that you wish you would have done long before you did? Um... Um, the biggest thing I wish I would have done and still have never done is I wish I would have bought the building I'm in. Um, my dad had an opportunity probably 10 years ago, and we thought, oh, no, nah, we don't need to. And I really wish we would have, would have bought the building. Um, it would it would have been a lifesaver over just both, over time. I mean, with unfortunately, with the uh, uh, pot industry uh, growing here in Colorado, um, buildings have skyrocketed. Building prices have skyrocketed. I mean, I don't think 
I don't think it's really possible unless somebody owns a building for another indoor track to open in Colorado, um, just because of the prices of a track, uh, by prices of a building, basically. I mean, I've been here 30, 30, almost 32 years, I guess now. There's been over 80 tracks open and closed in Colorado. And that's, oh, whoa. Um, yeah, it's, it's, most of those were all pre 2000. I would say we probably went through like 60 of them before 2000. Um, wow. Here lately, we get them every now and then. Like we had one down Colorado Springs that closed down. Um, the biggest reason why tracks close, unfortunately, I would say probably 90 to 95% of tracks close is due to bad business management. Um, they open up a hobby shop. They think it's it's a money um, a cash cow, basically. And they can um, sit back and wait for the bring truck to show up out front, and you know there's yeah. a hand of money in there. You know, it's easy to do, and it's it's not. It's a lot of hard work, and it's a lot of hours, and it's it's a lot of of sweat and equity you have to put into it. And if you don't, you you end up you know out. And uh, you know the last ten percent are the tracks that had no control of their situation. Um, IERC, I think was one of them. They lost their lease on their building. Like I said earlier, 405 Raceway um, is basically lost his lease. And so companies like that, you know, that they had no control over. It depends on what they do. I know IERC, I think now, I think those guys also own Coyote uh, in California. And uh, so so they, they, they moved on. Yeah, I remember I I E R C, right? Yeah, really nice truck. I actually really liked their truck. It was, it was huge. Really, really bright. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, it was colorful. You know, they had the checkerboard tile in the in the hobby shop, and they had a big hobby shop, and you know, just like California tracks, it's a huge track. Um, and but I I think they lost. The rumor was they lost their lease. Basically, the uh, person came in and says, you know, you guys are done. Um, we need to have this building for something else. And so they, they, I don't know if they owned Coyote then or they bought Coyote. And now I think they run Coyote Hobbies, which is an outdoor track in California. I think that's where they went to, if I remember right. Um, but it, it'll see what happens to 405 Raceway. I really hope 405 can find a building and they can move on. Because they actually have, a seems like a pretty good following from what I've seen on on their Facebook page and stuff like that. And so it's unfortunate, you know, that they got thrown this curveball, and it's really just going to have to take you know, a couple months to see what's going to come out of it. That's the one in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from Adam. He says, what are the top three things you attribute your success and longevity to in this hobby? Uh, number one, change. You have to be adaptable to change. You cannot um, – sit on your laurels and just, you know, do the same thing over and over again. You have to be worried. You always have to think about change and what's new. Um, if you don't do that, it's it's definitely going to hurt your business. Uh, hard work uh, is definitely another one. Um, it takes a lot of hard work. And I think I think the last one is actually just, just good racers. I have got great racers at my track. Um, they step up left and right for me. And... Um, I am very appreciative of them, mm-hmm. and I I really 
say some of my success is due to them. Maybe that's why uh, tracks didn't last in my area, Jason, because they had me as a racer. <laughs> could be. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that now. <laughs> I could see that being a big part of it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, if, if tracks, if people want their tracks to stay around more, they need to help out with more with their tracks, stuff like that. It's not really, you know, it's a great thing that if they buy more from their hobby, local hobby shops and stuff like that. But, you know, helping out the new racer um, is a big thing. Uh, being friendly to, to people, you know, inviting to make the track more fun. You know, that's that's why tracks stay around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bring, you need the bring a friend program. Yes, definitely. Let's see, uh, Jason, Chad has uh, Sturgill up there, so that's really helping. Yes, yeah, Sturgill comes up a lot. He's a good guy, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll bust him. We got. Um, Go ahead, Scotty. Uh, again, a lot of these questions are like, uh, how did? Um, here's one from Chris um, Trudeau. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't gonna even say his last name because I'm done with that. Okay. <laughs> um, he was he's wanted to open up a track, and he says, um, but seeing so many hobby shops close, mainly due to rise rising rent costs, economic impacts, changes in use interests, it's not easy. How do places like yours? Jim and Jimmy Babcock's keep going. How much marketing? How much marketing and advertising do you do? Everything I do is on Facebook. I, I do a ton of stuff on Facebook, a little bit of Instagram. I think those are very important for a track to have uh, to get their face out there as much as possible. Take photos of everything new coming in, anything, tiny change, anything. You know, take a photo of it, post it up. Um, you know, number number one thing is you have to treat it like a business. If you do not treat it like a business, if you're going to treat it like your hobby, don't even bother. It's a waste of your time. It's going to be a waste of a lot of money. Um, but you have to treat it like a business. It's not, you know, there are tracks out there that I know that, you know, people had, the owners had more back stock in their back room than really where they're hanging on their wall. And we're building their vehicles. Their vehicles really nice, had all the stuff, but they wouldn't carry it in their hobby shop. It's like you need that stuff to keep going. And... You know, my my customer's number one. If I have a part, if I bought a part specifically for my car and a customer comes in and goes, hey, do you have that part? That part instantly goes to that customer. It does not go to me. It's You have to, customer has to come first, and it has to be treated like a business. That was what one of my buddies told me once He when he opened his shop back in the 80s or something, late 80s. He's like, man, he goes, when we get stuff in, it would be one for me, one for the one for sales <laughs> he's like i'd order all this stuff and he's like it would just be you know it was like my own way to um you know dress up my cars and build all my cars and and uh but it's it's the classic mistake just like you said is it's um you know for him it was just a, you know it was he was just doing it for him not as a business yeah you have to do it as a business because you you won't survive. And it's, it's a lot of hard work. There's, unfortunately there are people out there that will, you know, say you're doing it wrong, anything like that. You need to basically not listen to a lot of those people because they're just bad people. And, you know, back when, um, there used to be tech talk on the internet. I hated that thing. Oh, you didn't like Uh, Trinity tech talk? I, 
I hated it. When, you, when you're a track owner, Trinity Tech Talk was evil. Yeah. And it's just basically people bashing tracks on there. And it's just like now what you see your potential. I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say, what, uh, what time frame is this? Because I was a monitor on Trinity Tech Talk from, <laughs> I just want to make sure, I want to make sure, uh, 97 through uh, 2003. Was it bad then? Say no. <laughs> it's been basically the whole time. I mean, because I know, uh, man, I I know my like, best some of my guys people. made stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's not really, and some of it is just, I know it's not mean. really like bad words or anything like that, but it's just, it's just the way stuff comes out. Yeah. And sometimes I know. Yeah. what you read on the internet is read wrong. Yep. And so it just hurt things. And, you know, they're, they're having fun, poking fun at their friend and stuff like that. But it's also very hurtful, unfortunately, to the track. Because someone who's never been to the track or anything like that, don't know those people, they look up online and go, oh, hey, I want to see about this track. And they go to places like Tech Talk. Yeah. And they see some jerks in there. And see that. Yeah. Yeah. And see that. And they're like, well, I don't want to go there. Yeah, and it's just like so that hurt business. And it's also intimidating. And, you, know, you see these guys in there. Yeah, it's it. So you know, I I I knew it was them have, having fun at each other, but then it just it turned my stomach. And the more I read it, the worse it got. So yeah. I just ended up really stop reading a lot of that stuff. Um, Facebook is I don't know if I say Facebook seems a little better, um, but it's. Um, you still have your problems every now and then. And that's where you really need to just let it roll off your back and just continue on and, and find the positive and, and focus on the positive and, and work, work that way to, to get through it all. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite racing class? I saw we had a question here about that. And what, what do you, what's your favorite? Um, I like two-wheel drive buggy, but I, I think my favorite, if it's done right, is actually short course. Okay. And unfortunately, short course be- short course became a um, a basher class. Mm-hmm. But I really like short course because if it's done right, you can actually kind of move people over without really wrecking them. And I think that makes it just more fun because it's closed wheel racing, you know. Um, I think short course would have probably lasted longer if we could have figured out a way to make it to where it wasn't such a basher class mm-hmm. and more of a finesse driving class. Um, cause I think, I think pushing people out of the way is fun to do with a short course truck that you're not, you know, plowing through them. Um, but pushing someone wide in the corner because you've, you've stuck your nose in there and you can actually make a whole car move over a little bit without them wrecking. It just, it's, I think fun racing. Do you see the, uh, kids today? Like, do they want to build their car kits? Like when I was a kid, I, I loved building them, but when they come in and buy a kit now, do they, do they want to build it or do they get spoiled by like, just taking it out of the box and run it like a Traxxas or something. Most people just are spoiled taking it out of the box and just run it. Um, it seems most of my, you know, usually dads will, will come in that used to build them when they were kids, will bring their kids in and they'll build them for their kids and they'll run. Uh, but there's not a lot of kids out there or even the younger adults that, that really want to build it. Man. And I actually, we actually offer uh, like associated club racers. We build them. Um, we build them up, paint them. The only thing I don't do is I don't put a, a radio battery or charger with it, and I offer it as a as a combo pack if they want to add to it. I can they could buy it as well, and then so it's all assembled for them. All I have to do is put the electronics in. They're good to go, and I sell a ton of those. Yeah. Um. Hmm. 
But usually, most of the guys who buy one of those, their very next car is a kit because then they realize, well, I really don't know how to work on it. I really kind of wish I would have built it. And they go back with regrets later. Uh, But telling someone that they should build it first, usually you don't get that positive reaction out of it. They're like, no, I just want to run it. They have to... uh... Yeah, exactly. Oh, you guys, hold on a second, Cotty. Take over for a second. Yeah. Let's put yourself on mute, Jason. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, well, he did it. Wow. <laughs> Show some respect to Chad, Jason. Did you right. pack up last minute boxes to ship out? I think he had to get like some Oreos or something. It sounded like. Oh, that's probably what it is. You got hungry. What's that? What's that? I said put yourself on mute before you go do all that. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually... Yeah. I, had, I had to grab a body because I'm trying to test fitting some uh, headlights and uh, taillights. He's multitasking while he's podcasting here. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just loved building kits when I was a kid, and I thought that was... It was one of my favorite parts. I mean, I just loved taking that kit home and just ripping into it, and... Today it's just so different. It's crazy. Oh, it's so much way different. Because like, even just comparing like an original RC10 or Jerex2, and the fit of the vehicle, stuff like that, was way different than it is now. Yeah. I mean, now you know, people like Cody Numidal have designed cars that go together really well, and there's no filing involved, no no reaming involved, and you know, all the parts you need are in the in the box. You don't you don't buy the kit and then you had to buy the bearings, you had to buy the tie rods, you had to buy, you know, all the hop up parts you had to throw in the car too. Yeah. Um, that's all a thing of the past anymore. What do you what do you think of, you know you know, sort of the segment with the scaling trucks and and uh, obviously the scaling side has uh, you know, a lot of people are telling me it's it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest segment in R C now. Um I like it. I wish it would. Unfortunately, like in my area, they, they don't, don't charge enough <laughs> for events. Yeah. Um, so people have gotten spoiled by it. You know, five dollars to walk get, walk into events, so it's cheap to walk into events. I love, you know, I love the fact that you know, with scale or stuff like that, the mount. It's basically modeling and RC kind of morphed together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm amazed at some of the detail people put in the vehicles and. Um, it's cool what you can get. Like I've got a guy that that 3D prints stuff, and he 3D prints some of the coolest stuff out there. You know, little uh, milk crates that look identical to a full size milk crate. Yeah. Um, they're stackable just like regular milk crates, and you know, it's it's amazing how how good they look. And you put them in the car. You know, he makes mini Yeti coolers that have the rubber latches on the front and everything. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really cool, you know, seeing all that. And it's like, you know, with 3D printing nowadays, you can print so much stuff to go along with just accessories and stuff like that. And it's easy for someone to do. Um, I think even, I think Jason's even hitting on on something too, hopefully, that the monster trucks will start coming back again and we can figure out some kind of monster truck tour to take around the country, you know, maybe the JC monster truck tour oh, yeah. that <laughs> hit a bunch of different tracks. You know, yeah. it's like like the old Bigfoot tour, but you know we'll, we'll do it just for for regular monster trucks, and you know it'd be nice because I remember back way back in the day there used to be um, monster trucks. There used to be um, 
uh, royal cars you could crush that would actually crush. They're made out of, like plastic. Yeah. Um, I think something like that. You know, set them up like like the eighties eighties courses. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the freestyle that's out now is kind of cool, but I still like the side by side. Well, not really side by side, but you know the racing. You know, going through the channels, coming around, doing doing hundred eighty degree turns back and forth to you know win the race. I think is still a cool way to do it. You know. Yeah, it really is. You know, one of my customers brought me a TXT one and gave it to me, and I'm just. I, I really just hoping that someday I have enough time to actually sit down and work on it to make a monster truck out of it because I, I think it is really cool. Wow. Well, yeah, what we've been kind of doing is the last race we did was we had three classes. There was a retro, there was, uh, they call it sport mod, and then pro mod. And the the retro was basically like a clodbuster um, you had to run the Claude motors and, you know, a, a LiPo battery. We run, I ran the stock speed control that came with the Claude Buster. And you could, you know, put different tires on it and a different body, but the rest of it was just a Claude Buster. And that was really fun. And then the Sport Mod was like taking an Axial SMT-10. And um, the motor, for some reason, they were using was a brushed 17 single so it was weird to use a brushed motor, but but they they did it that way. They said because it was really inexpensive, you could get a really cheap brush speed control and this brushed motor, um, you know, and like both of them together are like really cheap. So that was the sport mod, and and then the pro mod is basically just like you know whatever you want to do. Yeah. And you know the re- you know somewhere like the retro and the sport mod is kind of what you're almost referring to as uh, you know kind of the way it worked. Yeah. With the races, you know, side by side races. But yeah, I mean, I could definitely see people people doing doing a little bit more of that. They don't. There's really not a purpose built truck besides the Clodbuster and the Axial SMT10 that that's available right now that you can use but but people are making it all you know they're making things work yeah. it's kind of like the it's like the scale guys and it really makes me wonder sometimes if in the racing side of things you know it's like you know we were so concerned in the early 2000s about doing everything for everyone making RTRs and everything being done and then you go and you see all these scale guys doing it all themselves, and you're like, well, I thought we had to do everything for everybody in racing. And then in scaling, they they want, you know, it's like Traxxas makes an RTR scaler, and then they turn right around and say, well, we just made a kit where you can build it yourself because people wanted to build it themselves. So it's like the opposite of, of RC racing where people, you know, they were getting all these requests to, to have it done for them. Yeah, and, yeah. The Traxxas one was. A, I, I know a lot of people had to um, try on Traxxas to get them to build a kit because they they were very adamant they weren't going to ever do really do a kit or had plans for a kit anytime mm-hmm. soon. And uh, so I know a lot of people had to to pull on them to go, hey, we need a kit, we need a kit. And I, I know, you know, here recently we're trying. Oh, a lot of people have been trying to get Traxxas to do more kits 
Um, you know, even something like the, the ECX amp with like a bandit or something like that for everything you need in the kit, and then you you, you can build it. You know, because um, unfortunately, kids need to get away from computers, stuff like that. And they need to get their hands dirty and learn how to do stuff because yeah. they don't know how to do things. Yeah, yeah, they can they can kill it on the video games and that type of thing and their phone, and, but when it comes to actually doing anything, it's it's a little more minimal. Yeah, just getting the kid to, to learn how to use a screwdriver is kind of weird because I've, I've had a bunch of kids in that, you know, you, you hand them a screwdriver to do something, they don't really know how to use it. They look at it like it's, you know, a second head. It's, oh, my God. It's, and I'm and I'm sure yeah. it's difficult because you're probably taking it for granted that yeah. the screwdriver is kind of easy, right? And then you hand it to them, and they're just like, well, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like handing them a... Uh, a tape player or something like that. And just handing them a hand grenade. What do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can figure out a Tide Pod. Why can't they figure out a screwdriver? Yeah. It's tough. Like Gotti said, though, I mean, it's it's weird how, um, you know, there's a, a you know, there's people that like to build stuff, and, like, you looked forward to building it. I mean, that's how I was. I wanted to build everything and, and play with it and, I don't like it as much now as I used to because I've done it for 30 years like Chad. But um, but I still like when I have the time, I like doing it myself. Yeah. And um, I enjoy building. I, I, yeah. I miss I, I miss the work that used to be involved in building. I mean, you know, the original RC10, filing all the transmission gears. You had to be a good builder. You know, actually making things work, you know. Yeah, getting the drywall um, out. Yeah, exactly, and files out, and Colgate toothpaste out, and um, <laughs> it's you know the the things that you know the stories I tell tell my new customers the things we used to have to do and they, they their mouths drop open and it's like really you had to do all that and you, you you're still involved I'm like yeah it was fun <laughs> it was yeah. yeah absolutely you know and it, it, that's the question you know is you got these guys that are doing the scalers and they're building all this stuff and, and wanting to do it all themselves and it's like um yeah it's such a weird thing it's like we started all that <laughs> it's like we we started all that stuff in rc and we got away from it because we wanted to make it easy for everybody and now you guys are saying that's what you like about this part of it and you're just like ah we're confused <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's I think it's the people you know our age that are doing the crawler stuff that, that miss the building. It's yeah. not the new kids and stuff like that. And we yeah, really need to get kids more involved. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's the older people. <laughs> the older people. I I'm one of those older people now. I I can I can I can legally say that. Yeah, so am I. So do you ever see a a day when like a top of the line associated or TOR kit is together? I mean, I think so. I think I think what they did, like what Associated did with the collaboration, I think that's a great, great way to go. I think I think Associated did it right, and it it's really good. I don't think I don't think there'll be another. I mean, I think the B four was the last way to run that was actually based off of the, a race vehicle. And those have all now gone by the wayside, and I don't really know if they're going to come out with another. Um, you know, because like I always thought, like the B, the next step generation would be the B5M, 
uh, to make it a ready to run. And like talking to Associated, according to Associated, they had two different manufacturers making that kit. So they couldn't get someone to build it, you know, over there. Uh, whereas like the B4 was all built at one place. It was all made in one place. All the radar runs were made in one place and it kind of went on. The B5, B5M were made in two different places. That's why you got, when you open up the box, there's basically two different bags in there and, um, which had all other smaller bags inside of it. Um, so they couldn't really do a, a radar run with that, the B5M. Um, but it looks like they've taken the B5M and now made short course trucks out of them trucks and short course trucks out of them uh, out of the B5 series probably the leftover parts they had from the B5 series um, but I don't know if a B6 will ever, you'll ever see anything um, like the club racers as far as they go with it right now um, but, but you know Associate just changed changed manufacturers again who makes their parts to a new one here recently so I don't know now it's all back at one location or not yeah, I'm not 100% sure about that either. Um, well, I'm just wondering because the kids are getting, you know what I'm saying, like these young guys coming up, they really don't want to build a kit, so is it going to force these manufacturers to say, you know, instead of getting a com- competitive ready kit and you have to build it, now you take it out of the box and just fine-tune it from there? I don't know. Yeah. I I think really if, if manufacturers will get better instructions – They've really gone, they've almost gone too basic yeah. with instructions again. And it's, I think it could be, you could bring people back into it with, with better instructions. I think not just exploded views with kind of a screw goes here, screw goes here. I think even just if companies would actually make like how to videos of how to build a front end, how to build bag A, how to bag, build C yeah. through D, whatever. Make it more interactive and, um, as you're building it. Exactly. And that way, you know, the people who are the YouTube generations of like that can actually go online and actually almost have someone sit down with them. Yeah, that'd be go, cool. If hey, you, here's how, how to do this. If you could sit down with Ryan Mayfield as he builds his car, that'd be awesome as you're building yours. Exactly. And, and Ryan Mayfield can go through and, and, and walk through. And the the biggest problem like someone like Ryan Mayfield have to do is he has to realize that it's someone new that never built a kit. And unfortunately, when you get to Ryan Mayfield status, you – Automatically assume some things, and they the problem with assuming some things is exactly how to use a screwdriver. Um, you know, just just you know, you, you say install speed control, you, you automatically know to you know put the sensor wire in the back side of it and then install it. You know, it's just simple things that you take for granted that um, you know it'd be great to have like Ryan Mayfield, you know, even even designers like Cody Newmandal um, do build videos you know yeah I've, I've talked to frank root about this too you know it's like they're they're great people and it's just little build videos here and there you know helps out quite a bit you know i've seen tlr start to come out now with more just general videos i saw that do a blue video um i think last week it was um and it, it's it's nice to see because that that's what i think with this being a YouTube generation, an online generation, everyone wants to find things on YouTube. You need to get out there and show people how to do it on that platform. I've, uh, you know, I was at that, uh, was at that race last weekend, that monster truck event, and I had I had little kids come up to me uh, and recognize me from YouTube. Oh yeah. And yeah, they're like, they want you your know, autograph. 
yeah they're like hey i've watched this video on youtube and you know then they're you know it's it was it's kind of weird uh because they're uh it's really it's really important to them like you said i mean they they they're watching this stuff i mean you wonder where you know some of these people are watching from but that's who's watching it it's you know it's these kids that have their um you know their computers and their phones and if they like rc at all um that's where they're getting their information exactly i get the kids to come in and that that point to me and go you're the guy that sings i'm like well yeah not really but yeah (laughs) you're like uh not professionally yeah yeah not professionally no not even close luckily i have a very good employee that has a good singing voice um, that helps me out with those things. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Zeke wants to know who's who's better, Dustin or Zeke. Uh, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to plead the the mom rule on this, and I can't pick out the better child. <laughs> um, but I I will say I've never gotten a good high five from Zeke. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Okay, leaves you hanging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he always leaves me hanging. Oh, boy. Sorry, buddy. All right, Zeke also asks, who's more savage, Cody Newman-Hall or Zeke? Um, that one's easy. That one I, I could actually take sides on because um, you're not called Savage Bobby for anything. <laughs> and I, I, I love Cody Newman-Hall death. He's, he's one of my – originally one of my racers and uh, – he is definitely, uh, hands down, uh, more savage. Oh, this is from Robert Gonzalez. He says, I remember someone saying they wouldn't run a hobby shop. Much respect to Chad Brockman for taking over and building more up bigger and better. That person would be me if said that. I would, <laughs> I, about five, six years ago, I said I was kind of burnt out and said I would never run a hobby shop. Especially a hobby shop with a track. I'd probably do a hobby shop with everyone with a track. And um, I've definitely changed my tune since then. And uh, it's uh, it's definitely an attitude you have to have. And you have to look at things completely differently when you own a track. And it's a life lesson I'm, I'm learning. And most of all, I've changed. Yeah. Well, apparently you're doing a hell of a job, so. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm and, trying. And best of luck to the next 31. Definitely. That, that's that's my goal. I, I need to I need to do another 20 29 basically. That'll, that'll beat my dad's record. Oh. So um, then I can can find someone to buy it and and retire with my wife someplace hot and beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Perfect. So what do we got coming up there then? What, what were the races coming up for you soon? Uh, Pizza Feast, uh, November, second weekend of November is Pizza Feast. Uh, actually, first, I guess, we September is uh, More Mayhem in September, which are outdoor eight-scale race. And then November will be Pizza Feast. And then February, second weekend of February is Rumble in the Rockies, our big race. Rumble in the Rockies. The Rumble. Yep. Chad Brockman. <laughs> Yep. Sounds like a wrestling event to me. 
a wrestling event held by a wrestling wrestling persona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, me and Jason, we'll have to fly out there for the Pizza Fest, Jason. I'm down for some pizza. That'd be awesome. I've I've been trying to get the Ronas out here for a while, but they they, they seem to want to fly around Colorado, but they never <laughs> seem to want to come to Colorado. I, I definitely I fly through Colorado a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were just up in Utah a little bit ago, I think. weren't you guys just in Utah? In uh, January. Oh, January, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's like that's close. Yeah. yeah. Still not not quite here. Well, what's going on? I, I tried to, get to talk there. to one of my customers to get to get box seats for the Nuggets. If I could get box seats for the Nuggets, would you come out? You know, I mean, I I, I need to do it anyway, so that would just be a bonus, I think. I I mean, I know it's the Nuggets. I know it's not not the best in the world, but you know, it's, <laughs> maybe they'll be playing somebody halfway decent. You know, well, if they're playing his favorite team, the Lakers, then yeah, he'll show up. Lakers. <laughs> That's your That's favorite. Team. <laughs> yeah. Well, but for sure. Um, okay, actually, while we're doing this, um, where is um, where's more RC at? No, no, no. <laughs> pizza. Tell us the the dates for the pizza. I know you've said about three times already, but uh, pizza feast. Let me double check the dates here, just to be, just to be hundred percent sure. Pizza feast will be. November 9th through 11th. Mm-hmm. And then Rumble in the Rockies should be February 8th through the 10th. Okay, Pizza Feast. And then uh, Rumble is... Uh, February 8th through 10th, okay. 2019. Look at this. Big things That's are official now. I know. That's... <laughs> It's, it's, being, it's being typed in something. Good lord! I'm not being penciled in. I'm being typed in. That's even better. That's important. Pencil you right in. You're definitely the first date I have on the calendar in 2019. Ooh, Ooh. sweet. But uh, we're supposed to. Uh, we're having uh, Scott Brown will be there. That would be kind of neat. He, he's already confirmed. His daughter actually goes to college out here. Uh, so he's already confirmed that he he is supposed to be here for next year's Rumble in the Rockies. Yeah. Good. That's a good. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. That needs here pretty soon. I need to start yelling at Cody Numadal to get him back out of retirement so he can race. <laughs> yeah, we we got him out of retirement for a carpet race, and now you got to get him out of retirement for the dirt race, and we'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're good. Well, thank you guys very much for having me. I yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it, man. It's a good time. Yeah, a lot of fun. We'll stay in touch and um, let us know if you need something from us. Will do. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Chad Brockman. The Brockinator. Brockster. Chad Brockman versus Brock Lesnar. Rumble in the Rockies. Wow. I like that. That sounds good. All right, Jason, besides the uh, money in the bank going on this weekend, June 17th on a WWE network at 8 p.m., we also have the Nationals coming up. That's right. So give us a little preview. Keep it short. 
sweet. We're gonna win this thing or what? You know, I I always like our chances. I, I like our guys. Um, I think our as always, I think our our number one competition is Ty Tessman. Uh, in terms of the, he's just really strong, real tough. Yeah. Um, you know, then you got Dakota Fend and and uh, Jared Tebow, who are probably, um, you know, the the next, and then Ryan Lutz, Joe Bornhorst, uh, competition to us. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're Mayfield, Cavalieri, Spencer, Cole Ogden, J.R. Mitch. Um, uh, Cole Tollard, Cole Tollard, Blake Pickett, Griffin Hanna, Alex Kaskushak. Kaskushak is easier to say. It is, man. It's tough. I see he was preparing. But, he was at uh, some track today. Yeah. That, uh, a lot of these guys are getting and, ready. Like uh, Some guys were in Georgia, too, racing. And That's right. Okay. And then heading down tomorrow, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I mean... It's going to be a tough race, and not for, not for you know. There's just even more so, I think, this year because uh, the the weather in Florida is so tough, and we've been having a lot of rain. I don't remember, I don't remember seeing this much rain since like the '90s, to be honest. I mean, last couple of years here have been pretty dry in the summer was pretty you could count on some things um but it's it's been raining here almost every day for like three weeks and you know they had to they had to build the track in between the rainstorms up there i was gonna say what condition is this track gonna be in well they got it built and it I think they put the pipe down. I think the track is ready. I think the track will be ready to run on. Um, you know, just it, it's just the weather so unpredictable that you know they might have to rebuild it a few yeah. times, and that's going to take its toll on the people, on the personalities. Um, and what I've noticed from having races in the past, when we've done our clash races and doing them outside, is everything is great when everybody can drive their cars and the second that you can't drive or the racers can't drive and race they jump on their phones and the internet and they start complaining and 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 causing a fit and that's what ends up happening and you got it that's something you have to deal with uh in addition to everything so you always got the you know the hindsight you know hindsight 2020 guys then you got um the experts um you know, telling you how he should have did everything, and and you have to—that's something they have to deal with. And I think by the judging of what they have so far, it looks good to me. And it's just going to be a success or not based off the weather. Yeah. And if we get good enough weather to race, it'll be fine. If we don't, then people will be upset, and that's just how it is. Uh, it's not going to be their fault, but you know, ultimately, people are always the fall guy, you know, because there's always the experts. Um, mm-hmm. but in terms of the, I mean, when I was there several weeks ago and ran that e-buggy race, the track was so awesome. It was, the layout had been in a while. It was real, had a ton of traction. Uh, the track was great. 
uh, in the facility and the, the feeling, the atmosphere was was uh, was really good. And if we have that kind of experience at the Nationals, people are going to go away thinking that it was the best race. Um, and that's what we can hope for. And, you know, the results, sure, we want to win. Uh, I want that, you know, feeling we had a couple of years ago when we won both classes. You know, we're kind of, you know, you're always searching for that same that same feeling. And um, see what we can do. I think we got, um, you know, I like our guys uh, in this condition. Um Certainly, Mayfield just came off of a win. He's going to be tough. Uh, the track, um, you know, it's hard to say who who it favors because we haven't got there yet. And we don't know the weather, but you know, because it could be smooth, it could be bumpy. If the weather makes it bumpy or blown out, then all of a sudden the, everything changes. Um, so, you know, we plan to go up late tomorrow, set up our pits, and. Um, start with the with the guys and see what we can do. And I mean, it's going to be intense. I mean, if we get to race, it's going to be it's going to be one that uh, you know people are definitely uh, going to want to tune in for. I believe the race has a maximum, you know, maxed out entry wise. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. I mean, it's it's so rare that we get a nationals like this in Florida. I hope it does work out because I don't. I hate when people come here and have a bad experience and then yeah. they think they think where we live sucks. I hate that uh, because we really have great tracks here and people don't get to see them all the time. And you know, obviously that impression is everything. So I hope people have a good experience. I hope our guys, you know, what I, I want to finish, you know, I tell our guys, you know, let's get in the A main if there's a semi and let's finish. You know, it's like if you don't finish or you have a meltdown or a problem or something breaks, then we don't we don't get anything out of it. You know, we don't even get a fourth or a fifth. You know, we get last. And um, it's like you know, it's just nice to have something at the end of the weekend you can somewhat be proud of. And uh, if our guys are are in contention, they finish the race. We're happy with that. No matter what where they finish, you just kind of live with it. Uh, but you're going for the win, so that's the idea. So does the forecast look decent, or is it just like Florida weather so unpredictable you can't really? Well, if you look at the forecast. Um, it doesn't look very good, but that doesn't necessarily mean much in Florida because it could just, it really could just not rain. Like if it says rain, it might just, it could just not rain too. Yeah. Like it's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> Tomorrow shows 5 p.m. starts, uh, says 30% thunderstorms at 5 p.m. at the track tomorrow, which is really isn't that bad because you know, from the beginning of the day to the end, you got a good little run there. But really what it comes down to is what's it like during the practice and race days. And then what type of rebuilding is it going to take? If it does rain, they, they, have a, they have a big tarp that they put over the track, but 
you know that that kind of helps some things, but not everything. So, you know, if it rains at night, that really kind of delays you when you start the next day, and then you start burning the candle from both ends, and it's hard to fit your whole day in. So, you, you know, you, you know, if you if you really are attacked with all those scenarios, you end up having to shorten the program. You know, you run less qualifiers, uh, that type of thing. All right, so speaking of 8-scale nationals and stuff like that, uh, we're going to give away the 8-scale Ryan Mayfield body that you used at the uh, Psycho Psycho Blast. Okay. We're going to give that away, and I got the list of names on my screen right now, and I'm doing video of this too. And everybody that was on patreon.com slash radioimpound, you can go there. You can sign up. There's, different, there's three different tier levels. Uh, in other words, if you're... You can go there and look at the amount you donate. You get your name put in more than, like, if you donated, for example, $2, your name puts it into the list twice. Okay? Two cannolis. Sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I have all the names here listed. And I'm going to let this uh, program pick a name out of these out of the list here for the Ryan Mayfield body. that I And the photo's up on our Facebook page. You can see what you're going to get there. And here we go. <laughs> and your winner is Jake Engstrom. Wow. That's Jake cool. Engstrom. Jake's, a, Jake's been, uh, I think he's won a few things in the past. Yeah, good guy from down here in Florida, actually. And he was running... He sent a photo on our page. Um, he was running a, an old double XCR at one of those tracks down there. That's right. And uh, it looked pretty cool. So congratulations, Jake. Winner, winner, winner. Another body for the collection. But, well, congratulations, Jake, and thanks for supporting the show. Longtime supporter. Cannolis. Cannolis, donate to cannolis. And, uh, yeah, it's very easy to sign up on patreon.com. Just go there, and uh, as little as one cannoli a month puts you in the program. And you can cancel any time, but uh, we hope you don't. You know what? I have a shirt to give away, too, but I'll do that next show. I have a J Concepts. Uh, Just do it live when you get up. Yeah. I could do it now, I guess. We'll give away a shirt. We'll give away a shirt here. Here, this is for the J Concepts. And it's an XL shirt, I believe, too. Not a medium. Paul G. That's all I have for his name. Paul G. Patron Paul G. Wins a t-shirt. J Concepts. That's the new one, right? The 2018 shirt. Black, yellow lettering. Um, Event t-shirt. Yes, it is. Jason, what are you doing there, man? What's going on? Taking selfies, I told you. For what? What are you doing? Taking selfies? I'm trying to take selfies, like, uh, to show that we're on the podcast for later. Oh, okay. But we have got a lot of good responses from people that are happy that we're back on a more consistent schedule, so... 
I like it. And things are eased up on my end a little bit, so I'm finding. And plus, I got new motivation. Good. I got new motivation. I don't even know where I was going with that. Sing it, Elvis. Isn't there a song like that? Oh, no, you know what I was thinking of? Never mind. I'm not even going to say what I was thinking of because you'll laugh. <laughs> Never mind. All right, jconcepts.net. You already know it. Do I need to repeat it? No. But just go there. Bug Jason. Email him. Tell him you want an app for your phone. But in the meantime, go there. Look at all this stuff. And watch his vlogs. Mm-hmm. I got hell yeah. for saying it like that from Kirby. It's not it's not vlogs, it's vlogs. What's funny is that kinda of sounds like Kirby. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, I know. I'm just trying to be a little different. Oh yeah, sure you were. Okay, we got some we got some new cool products. Yeah, what do we got this week going out? Anything going out this week before the national? Yeah, we got the some carbon fiber shock towers for the uh, T6 and SC6. You responded to that email earlier. Yeah. Well, I thought you were asking me a question in our chat. I was. Were you asking us or Kirby? Or were you yeah, asking? I was asking you. Oh, okay. And then you ended up replying and kind of. Well, what was the problem? Like, was there? Well, you sent me a reply to the very first email I sent today. Oh, okay. And, and it, the whole thing was, it only had, like, your reply. It had none of the email that I sent. So I was like, I wonder if I sent a blank email. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Hmm. And then, um, then later you replied to it, and it had all the text there. And then you replied to the second one I sent, which was the titanium turnbuckles for the Mugen yeah, MBX-8. Not, not aluminum, titanium. <laughs> Your titanium, correct. And uh, so both of those emails went out today. We got the Bog Hog body went out uh, the end of last week. It was the, the Bog Hog mega truck body. That was fun. Bog Hog. And, you know, we, we got a couple videos on YouTube with the bog hog. Bog hog. We got a, a 2008 Ford going to be released next week. Ah. We got a, a after the Nats, and then we got a, which I believe is the first ever competition level UTV body, which is uh, the side-by-side vehicles. Oh, okay. Uh, but you'll see that body come out. It's really cool. Well, this this it, stuff's coming out right now. I mean, releasing now, this week. You're hearing it now. But no, it'll be next week when people actually see it. But Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Busy down there, man. Getting stuff done. <laughs> yes. So got some new, you know. So we got those new videos. Got some new shock towers, uh, turnbuckles. Been doing more of these inside looks of uh, people's different cars. Got Dan Wyatt built a a movie a movie truck on our page that looks pretty cool. Yeah. We're continually doing our 
uh, weekly reports of how our team's doing each week. A lot of good stuff on the Facebook page, which gets posted on both Facebook and and the blog and the website. So you see all that kind of together. The B-logs and the B-logs <laughs> and the bog hogs. <laughs> how would Vince say bog hog? Bog hog. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty good. Uh, Should we just make a whole other show with you just saying things like Vince? Yes. That would be great. It's funny when we listen to some of those uh, those uh, podcasts you've uh, sh- shown to me where a lot of the guys, they do the Vince voice. Yeah. It's funny how they, they always talk about that. Yeah. One thing to check out that just came up this week was uh, Trigger King RC on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, they've been putting up the videos of our last couple race events we've done. Uh, the yeah, it's a Trigger. it's a RC Mo- RC Monster Truck uh, organization, and they're the ones that ran the race we were at at the open house, and they do a full video of every class of racing. Hold on. Can you hear that? Sorry. They do a full they do a full video of each class of racing, and then they oh, uh, wow. they, they post a bunch of photos. Uh, they're very popular on YouTube. They have a lot of people. They watch a lot of this. Um, sure do. Yeah, a lot of subs and a lot of views. Yeah, oh, this is cool. Yeah, they got the Gravedigger, Danny Moz, I guess, maybe uh, Tim Gilman yeah. going off here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You sent this video in the chat, I think. Oh, yeah. I sent my you. God, that's a big jump for those guys. Yeah, I sent you the retro of us racing the retros. <clears throat> but this is this is what I want to do, Jason, right here. You would like this. So click on the link that I sent you. My, my internet's and... gonna crash. All right. On the link. And you'll you'll see my uh, you'll see the rate the final pro mod race, and then they show an instant replay. And watch how cool it looks in replay. So what we're watching here is the Trigger King RC 2018 Bigfoot Open House Huge Pro Mod Over Under Racing Bracket, June 2nd. So um, this is me versus Hazardous Waste in the finals. All right, what um, it, what minute mark? Oh, it's right at the beginning. Well, yeah, if you click on the link that I sent you in the chat, uh, I I captured it right at right at the moment. Jason Rona, number twenty one, versus Brad Roth on the spider truck. Hmm. Spider truck. Is that what it says? It says spider. Really? Yep, spider. S P I D E R. Brad Roth. All right, let's see what Jason does against him. Oh, man, that might be the first round. Uh, oh, wow. See how the track has over-unders? Yeah, I see that. Man, that, that looks like actually a lot of fun. Man, that jump looks wicked when you guys get a lot of air on that thing. 
We just raced after the rain here. You can see the ground's wet. Yeah. So what? When's the main? What minute mark is that? So go to. Uh, Listeners, follow along here. Go to minute mark. Jason can't find it. Fifteen fifty four. Fifteen fifty four. We got uh, hazardous waste versus Bigfoot twenty one. David Way versus Jason Rona. That's it. There's no. Let's see. Here we go. Jason's ready. <laughs> he's ready. So he's on the outside. You're on the inside. Yeah. Um, go through the and, over and, under. And then you got to go on the outside. Yeah. Gotcha. Fire! This truck is so fast. <laughs> Watch when they do the slow-mo here. Watch when the truck comes around on the last turn towards the finish line. Okay. I actually punch it, and the, they put it in slow motion, and the thing pulls a wheelie. Coming around right here. Lands. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That looks awesome. There it's so cool in slow motion. It just looks legit in slow motion. Ah, there you are. With your trophy. Look at that. I was gonna post something about this that I have a I have a photo at home of me the first time I raced with a bowling trophy like that. Oh yeah. And I was gonna post that photo and say you know thirty years later still, still racing them. still racing for bowling trophies and liking <laughs> and liking it yeah that's awesome yeah it's fun. All right well I think it's time for dinner. It is we are out of here. Thanks for Thanks, joining everybody. us. Thanks to Chad. Ever get Roar Nats this week. Roar Nats. Yeah, watch it on uh, Live RC. I guess I'll be having that on the TV. Yeah, awesome track. It's going to be cool. And um, I'll check it out on the YouTubes. The interwebs. The interwebs and the YouTubes. It'll be on there. So, yeah, I'll watch that this weekend. Hopefully the weather holds out for you guys and you have a good time. And uh, all the J Concept racers and the um, radio impound drivers like J.R. Mitch. Is uh, Jackson Brunson going to be there? Yep. All right. Jackson Brunson's <laughs> another driver. He's Good fast. Good luck to those guys, man. Yeah, best of luck. I'll be watching. And uh, you guys traveling to the event, safe travels. And Thank we'll you. see you on the next show, possibly next week. And we're going to rustle. We'll rustle up a new another guest. Yeah. I guess people should ask if we want a, a driver. We should ask, that's what we should ask. Do we want a driver? Do we want an industry person? Do we want a track owner? That's what we should ask. Okay. I'll put that on Facebook and see what they're going to say. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. And give them those options. That way we don't have – because everyone would be like, I want, I want Gil Ossie Jr. You can't get Gil Ossie Jr. It's like <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you got to give – it's got to be more vague. Then it opens the options. Because, like, you know, when we go to select somebody, sometimes it, you have to go with somebody that's available too, right? Yeah, that's the tough part, scheduling. And these guys on the West Coast, it's really hard to get the scheduling down. But, um, yeah, we could do that. I'll make a post on Facebook, and we'll see where that goes. And 
next week we'll be here for episode 177 boom alright guys see ya